Welcome to Coffee with Romina. This is your host, Romina Muhammadai, award-winning leader, negotiation and sales expert, and your new favorite podcaster. Each week, we bring you inspiring stories from extraordinary people of diverse industries, sharing practical advice and tips on how to overcome career and personal obstacles, define your own success, and take charge of your own destination. Thank you for spending time with us today. Now let the show begin. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome back to Coffee with Romina podcast. I hope you guys are having a tremendous and a fabulous and a beautiful Tuesday. So before we get started, a couple of announcements I want to make you guys for the month of June. Instead of having only one episode a week, we're going to have dose. We're going to have two episodes every week, you guys. The podcast is about to turn two years old, so I decided to celebrate with a little gift, and that is launching more episodes this month while we turn two years old. I mean, oh my goodness, I cannot even believe it's going to be two years now that the podcast launches every week. This is bananas, you guys. As well as today's episode, of course, we have a guest. I'm super duper excited about today's episode, as a matter of fact, because we do have Colonel Dab Lewis. I love Dab. She's a very good friend of mine. I met her a while back, and we are going to talk about mental toughness. Dab's unique mental tough women approach trains you how to handle more stress not distress, but actually handle more stress and how to put everything to work for you. It is an absolute pleasure having Deb Lewis on this episode, you guys. She is West Point graduate from its first class with women. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about her military days as well, because Deb, as a matter of fact, you guys served 34 years in the military. And here's a cool story about our Colonel Dab and husband, Doug Lewis. Because Doug, as a matter of fact, did 18,067 miles through all 50 states in one year. Again, 18,067 miles. He biked those miles, you guys, across all 50 states in one year in support for our military veterans and families. That is a lot of miles that is a bananas that's amazing and dog thank you so so much for doing that this episode as a matter of fact is launching right after memorial day you guys so happy memorial day as well and i'm super excited to talk about building mental toughness because not only i love what deb is doing but also one of my favorite authors travis branbury the author of emotion intelligence 2.0 he actually wrote on an article some of the main qualities on developing mental toughness, of course, is emotional intelligence, confidence, the ability to naturalize toxic people, knowing how to embrace change, knowing that the fear is number one source of regret, exercising, refusing to let anybody limit your joy and not limiting the joy to the others. I mean, there's a lot of factors in helping build that mental toughness, and that is exactly what we talk about with Colonel Dab Lewis. So, I don't want to spoil more of the episode, you guys. We're going to talk a lot about her aha moment in the military. What was it like for Miss Lewis to be one of the first graduates of West Point for the class of women? I mean, that's that's crazy. That's amazing. As well as Dab tells us about her amazing book that she launched, you guys. I will go ahead and attach the information where you can definitely connect with Dab on the show notes. So, go ahead and click there. And without losing any time, let's actually dive into today's episode. Of course, you guys know, hit the subscribe button wherever you are getting your podcast juice from. Give us the five-star review if you're an Apple podcast. 
and tell everybody about this episode you guys like listen to me tell your pizza delivery driver if you're ordering pizza if you're like me tell your uber driver tell your neighbor your co-worker your classmate everybody tell everybody because we have some really amazing banging episodes coming soon so today it's mental toughness with deb lewis let's not lose any more time you guys enjoy Hi Deb, how are you today? I'm doing awesome, Romina. How are you? I'm blessed and I'm excited for you to be on the show. As a matter of fact, we connected a while back. I know it's been a lot of planning, a lot of scheduling to get you on the show, so I'm really excited about today's episode. But before we get to the juicy questions, to the core of the interview, I would say I'd love to pass on the mic to you a little bit and tell us how did you go about having the career that you have? If you can give the audience a quick recap of your life to bring us to where you are today. I would love to do that. I, I think that like many people who are in careers, maybe you have a plan when you're growing up. Like I thought I'd be a doctor <laughs> and then I didn't, wasn't a doctor. I went off and I went in and said, wow, well, maybe I'll go in the military. And there's a whole bunch of reasons. So then I was in the military for 34 years and then it's like, okay, what next? And kind of fell into a bunch of things, including I think what, what you've mentioned is my husband and I went on the Duty on America tour where he bicycled. 18,067 miles in a year, and I drove the RV. And when I drove the RV along the way, I asked the question, where's the ideal place to live? Not what's the job I'll be doing, because the job I'll be doing kind of fell in and said, you know, I'd love to share my story because I started off in the first class with women. But then it evolved quickly where I recognized that a lot of people are out there struggling, and they're struggling in so many ways and I felt that I could help them. I had helped them throughout my career, thousands of people. And I know that the people who worked for me in a general case, you always have a few exceptions, but general case, they loved it. And, and it's like, well, how? I'm an engineer. I build things. I, I want to deconstruct and reconstruct. I want to replicate it. And so I have over 100 models. I said, well, how do I share that? Well, maybe I'll be an author. Well, for those authors out there, I commend you. <laughs> I'm in a lot of books and I have a book out about, it's a children's book and, and we can talk about that later. But the idea is in my head, I said, how do I make my messaging so simple a child can understand? Not thinking I'm going to write a children's book, <laughs> but I wanted to make it simple. And so I've continued to be very practical in lessons and what evolved was mentally tough women. Mental toughness is a word that I could really equate to what kind of business I wanted to be in. I want to help people be mentally tough because when you are able to be that way, not only will you find the treasure chest, you're going to be able to use it to benefit in so many ways. So first and foremost, I love it because even the pathway that you were showing, it's very engineering alike, I would say, because you're doing reverse engineering there. You know, you want to take an elephant and break it down to tiny little pieces of how you can, you know, destroy it and rebuild it better. So that's what an engineer does. And I'm really glad you followed the same path, just like an engineer would. But you do focus on mental toughness. Before we get to there, was there like an aha moment or something major that happened in your life that you're like, if I didn't have mental toughness in my life, I would not be able to overcome X, Y, or Z obstacle. And mm. that I feel like if you did have that, and if you'd like to share, I feel like that would also help you relate a lot more with your message. One of, one of the things in a little context before I answer that piece of it 
a little context is how we grow up, how we grow up. Now, I grew up in a family with two older brothers. Well, that you need to be kind of mentally tough because you have two older brothers and having to deal with that. So you have siblings, family, there's family things you grow up. Then I also did a sport, swimming. Swimming can, you know, you're really about beating your best. You are on a team, but it's about your best and constantly going in and, and figuring out what does that take. And I've won many a race just by the last 10 feet by what I did compared to what other people did. Um, and then I was horseback rider. And so jumping, <laughs> doing things on a half ton beast that has its own thinking mind. Um, and then my mother, I can remember her, this wasn't the aha moment, but this was leading up to it. She said, my mother and my father, if I ever fell off, get back on. There's only one time I know when I didn't get have to do that, <laughs> which was another story. But, you know, getting back on, I think was important because even though it got tough, it's like, nope, get back on, go do it again, go do it again. And so I think I had as a child, and plus my dad was in the military, so we moved around a lot. So I wasn't even aware of even kind of my starting point when I went to the to West Point. But I would say that West Point was the place where I really got that aha moment that you're talking about. And it was in my second day. Now, the first day for anyone who knows anything about a military academy, their whole job is to break you down, yell at you a lot, and to make you do things you have never done before and do it all together. <laughs> with Lovely. With yeah, it, you think that would be my my wake up moment, but that wasn't. I actually got a little cocky on that first day thinking, okay, I got this. You know, I can go without sleep. I can do people yell at me. You know, I can do that. But the second day was my real test because with women, they were very focused. It was a social revolution, actually, much like we're having a, a much bigger revolution in treating people well in, in the way they should as human beings. But in our case, it was integrating women into the military. There were a lot of people fighting that. And the, one of the points that they would make is that women couldn't do it physically. And so physically at West Point was running. Think about that. Now, I don't know about a runner you are, but I definitely uh, horseback riding, swimming, not running. I could sprint. I was an athlete, but not running. But I worked hard at it. I worked hard before I went there. I did a mile and a half and thinking, okay, got this. I can do this. Whatever they throw at me later, I can do it. Well, what was the first run? In the morning, second day, first activity, I'm standing there and the cadet in charge says, the run today will be two miles. And that's information. <laughs> a whole nother level of difficulty, right? Not at your own pace. You got to do it in their pace. And okay, there's six foot five guys that are in my formation. And, and uh, anyway, so we start off, I am already panicking, right? I'm panicking because do you realize that half a mile more is like eight to nine football fields more? Think about that. You, and, and when you run, have you ever run where you want to, you know, you get to it, you, you're out of breath, you want to throw up. That's me at a mile and a half. <laughs> Not two miles. So I'm thinking, overthinking this and my breathing's labored. And I had two other new girlfriends in this formation of 40 people. And immediately the first one drops back. And now I'm thinking to myself, this is really bad. <laughs> 
I thought it was bad. Now they're, you know, all they're saying about women, you know, this is what it is. And then I looked over at the second woman. And let's just call her the gazelle. The gazelle was smiling. And so I'm looking at the one falling out of my eyesight. And I look over at the other one who's smiling with this group. And I know how I'm feeling. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I better do something quick or I'm a goner. And what I did next is that aha moment. Because what I did next allowed me not just to finish that run, but I made every run that first year, the big test, the big test for women. And it wasn't because of my physical ability. It was because I looked at the stressful situation and engineered, what do I need to do? And one piece of that was breath control and heartbeat because my heart was ready to pop out of my chest. But there are many things that went into my reaction at that time, which became really a response. I want to differentiate. We react or we respond. React is that instinctual reaction, which may or may not make the situation worse. Response is that gut response where you're pulling all the pieces together and you're actually going to make things better. So that was my moment. Day two, West Point. <laughs> Let me ask you this, if you can give me like a, a quick 10 seconds trailer of that pre boot camp and post boot camp. Can you describe that? Because um, I have a lot of military friends of my own. And I sometimes they say like after the boot camp, people not my families were surprised at what I was able to achieve. But how about you? How did boot camp itself change you besides having the big waking aha moment? Did it change you also physically and mentally in the different perspectives? We yes, we it, it did, but not necessarily the way you think. Okay, so I went in there very confident. I had done these things. I got good grades. I had lots of friends. I had, you know, figured out my parents moved my senior year and I was able to live with someone pretty independent girl. Um, even though back then women, my dad didn't hold me back. My mother didn't hold me back. Nobody held me back the way many are even today are held back. And then I went in there thinking I can I can do this. But day two, <laughs> I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure I was cut out for it. And there are times during that that I did. And and even at the end of the boot, uh, it, we called it um, our first summer is very. We have our day, which is the first day, and then and then it's that first summer. When I finished the first summer, I got back to that girl. At the at coming into West Point. And then the first day I had a similar incident smack me down again, <laughs> thinking, oh my gosh, what did I sign up for? Because that's life. Life is constantly going to throw you punches. So, yes, I did feel great. And yes, I did get slammed again and brought back to my knees. And if you can imagine that over 10,000 times, you can get pretty strong. And that has been my experience through life. So let's talk about it. Instead of uh, maybe distressing or dismissing those big hard situations, how can we learn to manage them and overcome them? Okay, I would, I guess I'd use the word um, tame them like a horse. You're not going to break, you don't want to break the horse. You don't want to break the spirit. You want to tame it. 
because stress is one of those beautiful and challenging things that if you know how to tame it, you're riding it, you're riding it. But if you don't tame it, you're not. And so the things that you have to do is really that attitude toward the stress, the attitude toward those, what I would call unmet expectations. When somebody, you think someone loves it and they hate it, or you, you want something, it didn't come out that way. It's, it's like what your expectations are and then you not meet it. And what a lot of people advise, and I'm saying this still has a role, but a lot of people say, well, don't worry about it or just de-stress over here. Why don't you go sit and just calm down? That never worked for me. And the reason it never worked is because I was always in the middle of something. Whether you're in the middle of combat, you're not going to like take a time out and go draw a picture, you know, paint a painting. You know, that might be appropriate other times, but not in the middle of conflict. And the other thing is, especially if it's your family. Now, I'll tell you, family, we've talked a little bit about this before the show. Family is a whole level of skill that you need to be able to deal with for stress. And with your family, you're not going to like some people do. They'll cut off ties to family. Maybe that is the right answer. But short of that, you've got to be able to decide what blend of that is what you need. Now, de-stressing might be, I would say, calmly approaching a very challenging situation because you are a classic example of that, Romina. Before we got on this talk, my computer died. And I wasn't quite sure. I'm always worried that you're always worried when your computer's going to explode because of all the things you try to make it do. You and I both make our commuters dance all over the place all the time doing a million things. And I just thought that was it. But your response to it, how you de-stress is, and I want, I would just say handle the stress, tame that stress, is that you know you could get excited about it, but you're choosing something better. And choosing something better takes expertise and it takes above all what I call wisdom. I have a helmet here. You know, Athena, the goddess. So I have a helmet here. That's one of my symbols. Oh, I love and, it. And the helmet is about protecting that wisdom of ours. Things are going to be coming in attacking us. And it's so important in order to protect our wisdom. So I, would, I wouldn't necessarily call it de-stress. I'd say protect your wisdom, number one. Do that, whatever that takes. Is that breathing? Is that listening to music? Is that thinking of a wonderful thought as you're having to listen to someone who's ranting and raving in front of you? Maybe. It's what works for you. This show is sponsored by Sales Law of Averages online course. The course is a business development course teaching sales professionals and entrepreneurs how to master their sales funnel through sales and negotiation techniques. We all work hard on our leads, but unfortunately often fail to convert those leads to sales. Well, now you can say goodbye to those days. Order the course today at connectwithromina.com forward slash courses to get a deep discount. Receive access to over 40 videos, five hours of training material, and study even movie negotiation scenes today for just $79. Use the promo code Romina, which is spelled R-O-M-I-N-A at checkout. Again, the website is connectwithromina.com forward slash courses and use the promo code Romina that's spelled R-O-M-I-N-A at checkout. Master your sales today. 
So also to kind of add up to to that, how I look at things at least is that I look at things like like you mentioned, for example, the computers. I love the computers, hate us, loves us. We have a, a great relationship with them, but we need them. So, but how I look at things is look at things uh, if uh, controllables and uncontrollables. There are things in life that are uncontrollable, so I decide not to worry about them and just let them go. And things that are controllables, I'll decide to change strategy and manage strategy differently to fix the solution, right? So this way I don't add more in my plate. If it's controllable, I'll do something about it. If it's not controllable, forget it, let it go. Why stress yourself? But a lot of people sometimes don't realize that fine line between like controllables and uncontrollables, that gray area. And that's where those stress levels go up. How can we catch ourselves if we are in that gray area to jump to the right, you know, uh, decision as well to see it as controllable or uncontrollable maybe okay one first is your perspective and i agree most of mine is about influence can i influence this or is it just the way it is um and i also look at things as signs you know, like when the computer died on me it's like okay i guess i'm not supposed to do it that way other people would be like wanting to throw the computer out the window um i just look at it okay it's not happening that way now and then I'm going to say the real test of that is something that we all can pay attention to in our lives and with other people. I think when you understand this, because we're actually hardwired to do this. And so recognizing that is what you're asking me to do. So you, these things will happen. You have to recognize the signs. And you know what the signs are? Real easy. And people have heard this all the time, but I want you to understand that that in this case, I would love you to appreciate at least that when you see someone angry and frustrated, a whole range, you know, there's something going on. We call it being Pono. If you're at your best, can you see that? At our best, we're Pono. This is Pono the bull. When Pono the bull is upset, he doesn't look like that. But when Pono's at our best, when you're okay, you're Pono, then, then you can think clearly. When, you're, when you allow that little bit of frustration and it's going negative, all bets are off. All bets are off. And so that's one way is that awareness to be able to pull yourself back, kind of like I did in the run. And then another way to do that is also when you're going to want to wanna run away, like you don't want to talk to the person. So I, you know, we talked about that, that being Pono and then as you go to the next one, running away is another inclination. Like, I just want to run away. People say, I just want to run away. I don't want to deal with it. And people advise them to do that. I will tell you, that's another indication that something's up, that you are not, not even handling the stress. You're not managing the stress. You're allowing it to take control of your life. And so if you want to run away, that's that indication of, oops, I need to deal with this. And the third one is the most common. The third one is, I'm just blanking out. <laughs> I'm just gonna sit here and I'm going to go nod my head and I'm not engaging. You know, it's, it's something where, and what are those three? Fight, flight, shut down. Those are all survival mode thinking activities. And, and that is the number one thing that people can do in recognizing it and helping to influence the stress that's in their life. Because you and I, like I said, we, you know, here we go. What else can happen? So you did that to make me feel better, didn't you? Because it was all on my end at first. 
Yes, I was like, computer, do something. No, but really, come oh. on. Doing it again. Oh, shh, shh. I guess we shouldn't laugh about it. It's going to oh do. Oh, my goodness. Um, I do want to kind of go back to what you said, though, because as a person, I'm the type of person that I'll breathe in, breathe out, namaste, I'll relax. I got it. But there is situations that I will step away from the from the whole situation. Like, for instance, a couple months ago, it was too much going on with my family, family's health, too much, not necessarily drama, but just uncontrollables to the point that I couldn't handle it. So I stepped away and I ran away from for a weekend, completely by myself, and I distressed and I came back a lot better. So sometimes I feel like also stepping away from that high intense, it's good to recalibrate your brain, but you also have to hold yourself accountable. So when you come back, you don't come back at the same status or higher on your stress. You, you did a much higher level. This is a much, when I talk about expertise in, in managing stress, that's a little different. You didn't do that to run away. You did that to reset. That's a whole different thing. I do that often, yeah. <laughs> and I advise people, when you find yourself getting caught up in any of those survival mode situations, it's very important to not share it. It's worse than COVID. I mean, it is because it does kill people. It actually does. Stress is killing people because they're not able to figure out, oh, I need to go do something in order to come back at my best self. So is there also a change maybe between introverts and extroverts when it comes to stress management? I'm an extroverted person. So I have yeah, seen- we're, we're seen... similar in that. <laughs> Perfect. So, uh, but what about introverts? Okay, like what's I will the difference use a there? Different word for introverts, because I want all those people who label themselves as introverts. I want you to label yourself as thoughtful. You are thoughtful people who, when you feel safe and comfortable, you are not acting like an introvert. I know them. They are lovely to be around. They are so engaging, so happy. When you can get with a person who around strangers might behave a particular way but the thoughtful piece. So how they're handling stress is a lot more hidden. You, you, you may not know it until it's too late. And that's where I'm an empath too. And the empath part of me can detect, you, you need to have people around you, especially if you are counting yourself as introvert, what I would call thoughtful. You want people who around you, who see through you, who know you, who, who love you and support you. Because you won't necessarily acknowledge that it's getting to be too hard. You've got these programs in your head. Now, extroverts or people who are, you know, always out there, they are moving so fast, they might wait till too late. So the same, if you have those three things that are happening, fight, flight, shut down, when those feelings and emotions become so powerful, they control your behavior and your thoughts, Actually, we have seven ways that we communicate with other people. If it's affecting any of those, then it's going to affect your life in very negative ways. And so that's the one. First is awareness. And then you have to do what works for you. Like you, you decided that is something I needed to regroup and refresh. I personally have ways that are just like a light switch. As soon as I'm focused here and I know I'm getting caught up with it, Boom, I focus over here. It's like flip the switch. Okay, I'm good. The, sh the other short one I do is I can- Is that because of military? Because you have to be really quick at everything or is it your personality? It's expertise. It's over many, many, 
many <laughs> situations because when you go negative, you don't have enough time to overcome what you did, not just to other people, but to yourself. When you yell bad things about yourself, because I know a lot, of, a lot of us do that, you know, when you do that, that creates that um, toxic stuff in our bodies that it just, it sits there. If you do nothing, it'll sit there for 48 hours in your body. And then, so you want to do something about it. You want to, I, I don't have the kind of time. I know you don't have the kind of time. I look at it as a time management thing. And if I'm going to do it, okay, I have a choice here. I can let that bother me for what, two days or more, or, or maybe my life, or I can decide how I want to respond to that and do it in a productive way to no longer focus on what's irritating me, but what is it I want? What do I want? And if I want a particular outcome, it'll change that. My camera is acting really weird. I'm gonna edit that part, this part out that I'm talking, but my camera is acting really weird. I apologize for that. I don't That's know, okay. why is it doing that? I, it's today. <laughs> but you Not see, even Friday the 13th. <laughs> Well, the other thing too is, I don't know that you want to edit it out only because people will see that this is happening to us. And we'll, you don't we'll have keep to, that in there, you guys. You don't have to skip a beat. <laughs> you might miss something that we said in the time. And people, that this is a great test because some people will get distracted by that. And I just tell the audience who does get distracted by that and say, do you understand what's being said? Can you use that in your life? Okay. Life isn't perfect. Life so, is filled with stuff like that. So let's say what's happening right now with my camera, which is has its own brain, apparently. Let's say such a thing happens in a big meeting when you're trying to pitch a product or services, and that can be a contract, like uh, a deal breaker for you to make rent for a month, for example, if you're a brand new entrepreneur. How do you manage stress? Like, I'm kind of used to it, but I want the expert, Dav, here to, to kind of talk us through. How do you manage that to still keep your calm and cool and collected? Well, I've had that happen on a number of times <laughs> where cameras shut off. Um, I have, for example, an upcoming leadership presentation we're giving to CEOs around the world. And um, you'll guarantee tech. I don't count on technology to work. If any piece of it's working, audio is working, I'm good. <laughs> so I have my notes. You know, for example, whatever my points are that I want to say, I've got those slides in a presentation so that I'm will not stay off track for my messaging. And I will cue on the person to say, would you like to stop for pause for a moment? Okay. And then it's also a skill being able to go right back into where you were, but it's also, it's just like, okay, okay, got it. Another challenge. People will grade you on how you respond to it more, much more than if it's perfect. Would you say also like man and women's stress management is different because females also tend to like let stuff out of their chest when men kind of like, you know, have that macho manism in them. Um, besides that, like how are, how is the stress management in those two and who is more efficient really? The person that talks a lot or a person that is like, I got this collected. It's, it is tough to generalize, but I will. <laughs> it is tough to generalize when you acknowledge there's like 22 different genders now, you know, people self-identified. But John Gray wrote the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And so what he tried to characterize were those general characteristics, and he caveated it to say some women act like they're from Mars or Venus, you know, it varies. So on a general term, I would say 
that a lot of times that women who they say we have these networks of multitasking and we're looking at all the impacts of, I said this, did he think that? What if this is, you know, our man, if you had little clouds of ideas, they'd be all around our heads. And the guys are like, huh, they're, they're in more super highways. That didn't work. Okay, let's stop. All right. I love it because I read it somewhere. It said female's brain is like a seven lane interstate where male's brain is a one way highway street. And that is perfect. <laughs> it is. And so I don't see them. In, and the other thing is, is that when they get angry, they're done. They're like, okay, I did it. I'm done. They don't have any clue that just like the ripple effect, they have just dropped a huge boulder in the middle of the water. And now those waves are going out. Their attitude on stress is that, oh, I said my piece, that I'm done. They don't take responsibility for the waves that they just created. However, and then they get frustrated when the waves start coming back, you know, because they trigger things in other people. And now their negative side is triggered. So it's like a delayed reaction, I think, for the men. They, they have to deal with it for a long time. And until they control that piece of them that wants to just say it like it is, or anybody who just wants to, I, you love me, therefore you can take it. It's like, sorry, that's not my experience. <laughs> you know, you, you, those are the people you say you love them. You ought to have the highest level of discipline in how you treat them, what you say to them, because coming from you, it matters and it builds over time. And then you wonder why the explosion happens. People, women oftentimes will implode. Men oftentimes will explode. Women who are more confident will do both. <laughs> and maybe at the same time, we can do multitask. <laughs> we may implode and explode all at the same time. But so, I hope that helps. No, absolutely. But what I want to ask you too also is how can we, Females also help our partners that being like our partners, our brothers, our dad, like our dad, our cousins. How can we help the males process things differently? Because females also have the intuition, which I know everybody keeps talking about it, but like females, yes, do have the intuition, have a little bit more patience than everybody else. But how can we help our male people in our life to become better at it? Because again, it's the ripple effect. If they come, become better, that would hurt less people because they manage things uh, better. But how can yeah. we do that? Yes. Well, I would tell you, love, relationships, business, they're all what I would call extreme sports. Kind of the need for the helmet. I also have the shield, as you see on the side. I also have the sword. For you to be able to help them, you have to be incredibly strong. You have to be mentally tough. Because how you're going to help influence them is not, it's not about saying, you need to do this. Why didn't you do that? That's all negative ways to, you could be right because it's factually correct, but you could be absolutely wrong in how you approach it. And the one thing that I know that, that if you use this as your, as your starting point, then you will work through it. And that is actually coming from a place of unconditional love, not falling into the irritation that I told him this 10 times before and he's still not doing it. 
It's coming from the unconditional love and realizing, okay, what I was doing before, take responsibility on yourself. I told him 10 times he's not doing it. Obviously, from an engineer perspective, I didn't engineer that correctly. I got exactly what I don't want because now he's mad too. <laughs> you know, right? So you want to, from a place of unconditional love, you will then start saying things in a very positive, productive way. For example, I would say 75% of the population, I would say more men than women, when you give them a fact or tell them something, what's the first word that pops in their mouth? No. It's not true. <laughs> it's not true. That's not how, exactly. Now, upon questioning thousands of times, I have learned they normally will deny they even said the word. Now, the person on the receiving end, of course, heard it quite clearly, and that triggered the negative in them because that's not a positive word. That's a negative word. I say no will often start a war. It'll start a war in relationships and all kinds of things. And, and the hardest thing is that when they say that is not get into it. So with my husband, if he says it, then I look at him very sweetly and I go, oh, honey, really? Maybe, maybe that's true. You know, you give him credit. Well, maybe you're right. But what if you're not? Here's what I know. And then you can, you, you have to open the door. And the only way to open the door for even having a dialogue is coming from that place of unconditional love. So that kind of gets along too with uh, taking the judgment hat off and, you know, kind of leaving your biases at the door and opening the conversation to learn their perspective of you. That is definitely a big part of that. Yes, because they have one. Oh, by the way, yours isn't the only perspective. And, and like I said, even when you're factually right, it doesn't make a difference. Dale Carnegie, if you ever read um, how, how to, to make win, friends and influence friends people. And, yeah, yeah. How to win friends and influence people. Yeah. He, his first chapter, I love it. I only remember he has 30 chapters. The first chapter is the one that you guide that in your life. He says it kind of negatively, but I it, it makes the point. He says, if you want to gather honey, What's your focus? If you want to gather honey, don't kick over the beehive. Neuroscience will say, don't, don't use the word don't. <laughs> because usually you're telling people to use, to do exactly what you said when you use, it's like, don't touch that with a little child. You know, what do you see? Whoop, they're touching it. Adults, you, you shouldn't do that. Don't do that. And all you want to do is do it. But if you understand, if you want to gather honey, why would you kick over the beehive? It makes no sense because now you've outraged them and they'll come back at you and people will deny they've done. This is, I think, this is one of my biggest lessons learned. People will never, never acknowledge that they've done anything wrong. They, they don't believe they, even if you catch them in the act, just like that first chapter with Dale Carnegie, they caught them, they're in prison, <laughs> but they still don't believe they did anything wrong. Okay. It's wild, but it's the same way with us. And if you understand that, it's like gravity. If you understand it, you can work with it. And that's what mental toughness does. You, you don't try to change it. You're trying to influence and use it. Kind of like we have a lot of gravity things. Like we had a big gate in Seattle uh, at the locks, the Ballard locks, where it was all gravity run by gravity. It was amazing. The power of gravity. But you have to use it because if you're, Standing here and gravity's got something falling off the building, it lands on your head. Even if it's a small thing, it could really hurt, <laughs> right? It used in the wrong way, it can hurt horribly, but used in the right way, it can move great mountains. 
do you, would you say that everybody's coachable or teachable on practicing mental toughness and patience? It it depends. For whose reason do people change? Oh, they that's a good change. one. For whose for what reason or whose reason they are deciding to change? Yeah. They have to want it. And that's who I want to work with. I love working with people. They they are interested because they realize that their way of doing it is not working out. And I get people, a lot of times they just quit their job or they want to quit a relationship or they just want to give up on their dream. They, you know, those kind of things where you, you, you feel like I have to do something because I can't live this way. And, and those are the ones I love because, well, can I give you a different perspective on the same set of facts? How about if you looked at it, this was the best thing that ever happened to you. What if you, what if you looked at it and said, okay, I had someone, she quit her job, but she couldn't move forward because of how she did it. And then I coached her through possibility. She came up with her own solution, but I give her all the possibilities of what you can do. And what's the way you want to feel when it's all done? Because it could still go sideways, but you can still like do a happy dance at the end because you had the courage to do it and you resolved it for you. That's the only one that matters. You resolve it for you. And if you're willing to do that, I can coach anybody in doing that. And I can guarantee results that they've never seen before, especially if they have been getting all the wrong outcomes. Like they love someone, but they're doing something that absolutely gets them angry all the time. Or they're enabling someone to be angry. That's what I often see. We enable people to behave the way they do. And, and I help people, leaders especially, if you've got disruptive people in your organization and you're not dealing with it immediately, you are hurting the entire organization. That's like the highest standards that you really want to uphold because then I go back to the thoughtful people. If you're not getting a handle on it, do you think those people are going to contribute? And I'm telling you, those people are treasures. They have been watching and waiting for the time to contribute. And, and we dismiss them because they're quiet. You know, oh, they don't have anything to say. I just heard of a story, an autistic young lady who at 25 finally found a venue to communicate with everyone. And she remembers every interaction since she was like four years old and she's writing about it. And you can imagine that being quiet, oftentimes they're the ones who are gonna hear, oh, she's just stupid or she'll never understand or she can't ever do that. Oh, why would you even try to help her? You know, those kind of horrible negative, hurtful things, all of us have heard. I know you've heard it too. People say these things to us. Now, if you're more confident, you will address it. But again, if you're going to address it, remember that thing, they don't believe they did anything wrong. If you yell back at them and expect a good outcome, forget it. That's why all these protests right now, it makes me cringe because yes, something needs to be done. Mark my words, something has to be done. But if you do it that way, you do not have the time in your life to overcome the protesting negative aspect of it. Yes, that it's. I mean, in America, I feel like it's extremely a lot of things going on. And unfortunately, we are where we are. Something needs to happen. Everything needs to stop. We need to be right. united. I'm Albanian originally, but I love this country. We need to be united at the end of the equation. We all of us. To be. We want to be. That's the way to head. We want to be united. And we say it, but we don't have the skills to do it. The leaders don't have it. I mean, I see they have the worst stress skills ever. 
You just listen to them. You just have to listen to their words and their actions. I if love body language too. So yes. Are they, are they yelling? Are they, sh- you know, saying, I don't care. You know, are they running away and avoiding the confrontation? You know, does it have to be a confrontation? I have, I love the people, the people I've worked with, even the ones who have really pushed me to my limit. I love them because it's made a huge change in my life. Because every time that happened, something amazing, amazing happened in my life. I mean, not just a little bit, huge. Now, you did mention a little bit social media too. And I want to talk about social media, fake expectations on how people are supposed to live their bodies, their lifestyle, their business, everything out there. Um, I've had friends that are to the extreme, for instance, they just close all the social medias. And then you have people that are using social medias a lot and it affects them, especially if they don't have the confidence or they get influenced easily. How can we maybe for audience that is listening, manage our own stress when it comes to social media for instance you may have gotten a very bad news because people don't share bad news on social media it's only the good ones that we share right mm-hmm. people that have gotten very bad news and they see somebody else super happy and they just get even more stressed out about the situation mm-hmm. how can we handle such situations to get control of the situation back in our hands instead of letting it be frustrated because of social media fakeness and social media fake expectations of the reality i i think i think that is one of the cruel parts of social media today is that it has the power to connect us. Like I can connect to you where you're living uh, today in Jacksonville, or I talk to someone in Bermuda, or I talk to someone. I mean, the beauty of it is, is all of that, but also the challenges for us to be able to use it in a way, and I would I, use it in a way that's beneficial to us. Use it in a way that's going to build us up, not rip us down, rip us apart. You know, negativity is an indicator of something, but if you allow it to reside in your body, then it's going to destroy you. And so doing comparatives, it's kind of like where my daughter did cross country. They called it the PR, my personal record. You gauge yourself against yourself. Why stop doing it with other people and other things? Gauge it. What's your goal of what you want to achieve? And then what is your own personal record? How are you doing against that? Rather than some ideal notion. I mean, people people change their bodies. And if that is bringing them to a better place, okay. But if it's not, it's just, you know, constant destructive behavior, trying to be something you can't. It's even on a scale of, if I want to be a 10, that's unrealistic. A 10 out of 10, if I want to get that in everything in my life, forget it. It's not going to happen. But if I'm a four and I want to be a five now, that at least is attainable. I can move and say, what are those things? And pay attention to the things that help me. I will tell you, it's addictive on the social media. You get on there and I I see things that my friends and family have posted. And I, I get caught up in it and I say, oh, I haven't caught up with them in a while. Let me, let me do it. So one of the ways that I do it is what are ways that you can interact with them and not be dragged into stuff? And one way I do that is like birthdays. I find out what people's birthdays are. I celebrate the fact that they were born. And and you find a way to connect if you want to with the people you care about, but you gotta do it in manageable chunks. If you you stay on social media, you will have the worst opinion of everything. Just gauge your own emotional reaction to it. And what things you're drawn to is actually hardwired into you. We are hardwired for danger and threat. And what does threats do to us? 
We get angry, we want to run away, or we shut down. It's That is killing our personal potential. It's killing our businesses. It's killing our countries. And we have to pull, it's like on a horse when it's bucking, you got to pull the head up. Don't let the head get down. Otherwise you're launched. <laughs> we need to get a handle on our stress skills so that we're not living in that negative world. We're not adding to it. You, you can change your word. I hate, instead of saying, I hate that, you say, I would love it if we could do this. What does that take? That's how we have to do it. And that's the words we want to use on social media because I just read a horrific story, horrible story about a gal who wanted to make a point. It was, it was insensitive in how she said it, but you know her intent was good. The backlash on social media was so violent against this young girl that two days later she, she took her own life. I mean, the bullying, the, the negative, when you do a negative comment, you have to be accountable. Someday we're going to be accountable for our actions. But in that case, everybody led to that. Everybody enabled that instead of reaching out and supporting her and saying, hey, honey, ask a question before you judge it. Like you said, judging, judging harshly is instantaneous. It's hardwired into us. We must use our higher level, the helmet, the higher level wisdom so that we look at things and don't add to the negativity in this world. There's enough of it. Don't you think there's enough of it? I yeah. think <laughs> it's, well, it's like really I was going to ask too, from a mental health perspective, where do you see social media being stopped or if it ever going to stop? Because I feel like before I grew up in the 90s in Albania, and even when I moved to America, if somebody had to say something, they would say it in my face and it would build tough skin on me, how to handle the situation, how to rebuttal, learn how to rebuttal and actually protect myself or protect my idea, where now we have everybody hiding behind, you know, different IPNs being all over the world or just being in one hometown and pretending to be other people. And this is not really good on mental health. Of course, social media has its own benefits because we're connected with people internationally from all over and for good purposes, but also it's it's negatively affecting a lot of others. So do you see like social media being, you know, restricted from bullism at one point in the future? Or do you think it's going to get a lot worse before it gets regulated? Okay, so here here's my bigger thought on that because okay. you touched on something that is... It, it, it manifests itself in so many ways in this world, that dynamic. The instinct is to want to stop. Remember when I talked about negativity? Stop it, stop it, stop it. Unfortunately, my friend Doug Krug talked about forward energy. He wrote a book called Enlightened Leadership, Forward Energy. You have to focus on what it is you want more of. You want more positive comments, not that I want to stop the bad comments. Even though you do, you want to stop the bad comments. The government is only going to be able to do so much. Everything like rules and laws, they're all lagging indicators. They're all lagging things. It means the horrible thing has to happen first before something's done about it. The way to do it is by each of us. When you, when you see someone and they say something off that is not appropriate or whatever, you know that person, you need to say, hey, you know, I saw what you wrote. Do you realize the adverse impact that has on other people? You don't have to be blaming them and yelling at them and saying you were stupid. That was awful because that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about bringing it to the attention. How would you feel if I said this to you and repeat back what they said? That's what I often do. I repeat back what they said to the person. And I said, how would you feel if that was you? Would you be able to take that? Do you think that's helpful? What did you actually want to have happen? And maybe they wanted an honorable change. 
but the way they went about it was making it worse. So what has to happen, what has to happen is when people get fed up with this and have the courage, they have to have the courage. It takes courage. It takes discipline. It takes a skill. It does take skill. I'm working all the time. In, in my line of work, when we're in the middle of a war, where really bad things are happening all around us and they have to face all kinds of garbage in the work that they're doing, I would just be asking them one question. I'd say like, Romina, you know, your job is so hard. I know that. What's one thing I can do to help you here? What's one thing I can do? And if we help each other, we can help get through this. Or you see someone badgering another person online, you reach out to the person, one who was affected, as well as the person who said it. Because that's our social responsibility. We are human beings and we are on one planet. We may find Mars and other places, you know, a place we can go to. But right now, this is it. We need to make the best of it. And oh, by the way, it's an amazing planet that has blasted despite our best efforts to destroy it every day, just like people are out there every day trying to destroy others. That I did anti-terrorism work. That's a true statement. That every, every minute of every day, they're trying to destroy things. And I've learned the last thing a military person want is to, is to go to conflict. Because why? We have to weather the wounds that take place because we put ourselves in harm's way. And two, if you're in a war and people are destroying people around them, causing fear, destroying infrastructure, how many years, even if you turned it to do your opinion, how many years will that take to turn that around? We just, in our lifetime, we don't have that much time. Destruction is not the way to make things better. It just, I've never seen it work. And, and we can band it. You can actually turn it around pretty quick. Even the worst situations. I've seen it turn. I had two women. They hated each other. For 12 years, they sat next to each other. And they were constantly in tears and blaming each other. Just think of that negative energy. They worked like six feet in, uh, between each other. And they hated each other for 12 years. Okay. And I walk into it. And I just did one little thing that caused me like, what was that? You ought to be paying it to everybody can pay attention to those indicators. And then I engaged on it, but I engaged on it in a way that what's the message if we actually turn this around? Everybody else told me it's never going to change. 12 years they've been doing it. They had mediators come in. I did something, took three interventions and it, and it resolved itself. I won't say they loved each other, but we never had that problem again. And every new person I brought in strengthened that. And that's, you got to start somewhere. And I think that's the point. You, you think that you, it's, it's not about you. Everybody has the power. A single idea can move the world. A single idea can move the world. And I'm always looking, what's the word? <laughs> what's the message? How do I do it? I'm going to find out. So right now I just say the thing that I attribute to why we're facing this is people have poor stress skills. What is the answer? Get mentally tough. Get mentally tough. And it, it, it describes what I'm talking about. It's not I'm going to bully somebody. It means with love, I'm going to encourage them where they can go, not where I'm, I want them to, you know, where I, I think they have to go. Because they'll tell, oh, you're just telling me what to do. No, I'm not. I want you to see the bigger picture. I want you to see if you keep on this way, you're never going to reach your goals. And if you do it this way, you have a much better chance 
that your life is going to change dramatically. I love it when I change people's lives dramatically. You know, when they're like sad and unhappy, like this young lady who quit her job. And then now she's happy. She's confident. And she got a better job. <laughs> she got a much better pay, much better conditions suited for her. Well, I love it. And what I want to highlight from, from that too, well, at least one of my biggest takeaways from what you just said also is that sometimes whenever we are stuck in that, you know, stressful moment, we also are looking only inside in. We're not asking the other person, like, how are you coping with that? How are you doing this? Like, how does that make you feel? And it just reminded me of actually a couple of weeks ago, I got pulled over at one o'clock in the morning with my three officers. <laughs> so they asked me to get out of the car and I was talking to two of the officers. I was a little stressed out, but I started asking the officers like, hey, how's your family coping with all the protesting? And, you know, because you guys are on cold 24 seven. And I'll tell you, I made very two good best friends. They started talking to me and they said, I will tell my wife about you because you just made my shift. I was stressed out myself because that happened, but I start asking them and I took the stress out and I start asking the officers. And that's just one case scenario that I can say. But a lot of times we worry about only ourselves. We don't look at things outside like, hey, this is happening. But how about that person? How are they coping with that? Perfect question. You got me to tears. You know why? Because I can put myself in your situation. And that empathetic, that empathetic kindness that you show Today, what happens is you get what you're emanating. When you emanate fear instead of confidence, I'm not saying things won't happen. Like we had a military person pulled over and the person who acted totally inappropriate. Thank goodness yeah. their camera's on them. They're, that's the rare time when people are still going to misbehave and do stuff like that. But when you open up and act like a human being and, and engage them on a human level as if you care, crisis communication that I took as a course the number one thing that cuts through that kind of distress, that noise that's happening, you know what that is? A caring statement, something that helps you reach. You did that by saying, how is your family coping with this? You know, that empathetic, kind statement, because how is a family coping with COVID? How are they coping with, you know, like you said, the protests, all these things where they're being judged, judged harshly and that everyone's bad. My, my stepson is a police, my stepson and his wife are both in law enforcement. They're amazing people. We have amazing people who are on the front lines trying to make a difference. And there's a tiny percentage that have what? Poor stress skills. <laughs> and so when they, on the, it doesn't matter what side it's on, they have that experiment of the prisoners and the guards. Remember that one yeah. years ago they had to stop? You know, they they learn that students put in these roles will will if they don't have stress skills, they're going to go to the dark side. Expect it. They're human. It's hardwired into them. The, what's what's the trick is how do you how do you pull them out of that and keep them? And what you just did change that whole. I've done that in a restaurant. You ever been in a restaurant where someone um, you go with someone you don't know that well? And something happens that's unexpected, like the food comes out a certain way or it's the wrong order or something. And you watch, that's the best way for me, watch how they react. Yes. Do they, do they start yelling at the, or, you know, at the, oh God, they got this wrong. That is someone with poor stress skills. I'm sorry. They do. They don't have any stress skills because I've been in the same situation, the same facts. It comes out, the meal's over. When it's done, or even then, I might say something. I said, hey, you know, 
this meal is amazing. But I, there's just one thing that I, I wish, I don't know if you can do anything about it, but this is what happened. So maybe you can take a look at that. And they'll usually go almost always, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that. And then if it's the manager that hears it, the manager go up and they write it off my check. But the person who's yelling and saying, you idiot, you got this wrong. How many times do I need to tell you what my order is? You know, some stuff like that. They don't know that maybe they've got a home life where their child's home at sick or, you know, you don't know the backstory. Yes. It's like the iceberg, the 90% down. Everybody's kindness. going through battles that you don't know what they're going through. So, But the kindness in the world has to know it's an extreme sport. You have to have your shield so that when you're in, in line with that, that you don't add to it, add to the negativity. And so that, but your story, what a powerful one. If more people understood that in those situations, you say, yeah, I can't do anything about the fact I got pulled over. I can't do anything about the fact that- My headlight oh, was out. It was my oh, fault, I know. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's three police officers, which I think they're doing. If you're gonna confront someone where it might go sideways, you must always have at least two people. You must to protect yourself. I, I early on in my career, I almost failed in this because I went in very helpfully trying to explain to a soldier what they needed to do. This soldier, I'm five foot five. I'll stand up. I'm five foot five. He was like six five, and I, and I know that he was thinking about taking his fist and going like this to my head. I mean, he really could have harmed me badly. Now, of course. Then I would have gotten rid of the problem entirely, but I may not have come out of it so well. But I really believe that in those situations, there's a reason why they have more than one person, because they have to be able to, to hopefully have one making sure that the others are doing what they need to do. And that if something happens, that there's more than one camera, because sometimes just one camera may give you like this narrow view when actually all this is going on. You know, yes. it works both ways. People want to say it's on their side. It works both ways. If you saw some of the other videos of uh, beforehand and other other perspectives, you may not react the way you're reacting. Well, I had a very good friend of mine, actually, we interviewed him on the uh, podcast too regarding emotion intelligence a while back at the very beginning. And he used to be a police officer. So I asked him and he is a big like six five big black guy and he's into like I get intimated if he's pulled me over I'm like hi like you know I was like how do you handle it if you get pulled over you take that stress out he said roll your windows down turn on your interior lights roll all your windows down and show ID and hands on the wheel the whole time and he said just be nice to them so that's what I did one o'clock in the morning rolled all my windows down I was like hi guys and then I didn't realize there was a lot more coming around but uh, while we got to talking, you know, just that one question sparked out so much that they start talking to me about divorce rates with them. And the first responders, they start talking to me about oh, their previous yeah. divorce. End up being like a 30 minute conversation with the officers. But my biggest thing that I do, or I would say my parents have told me, and I, I wish everybody did this at some point, is if you're nice to people that you don't necessarily need to be nice to, that's when you know you're winning because you have you can be nice and you don't expect something back in return. And that's where you know you are evolving a lot as an individual and as a person. So because that's who you want to be. That's a, yes. perfect, that's a wonderful that that lesson is not learned by a lot of people. Many people will write other people off. If you're nice to everybody, 
why why not be who you want to be? I, I had someone who stopped saying hello to another person because they weren't saying hello back. What that means is you have an expectation. Oh, I said, you you mean you stop doing that because they didn't respond the way you wanted. Remember expectations? And they go, yeah. I said, so how'd that make you feel? <laughs> and they said, terrible, because now I got to think about who I say hello to, who I don't say hello to. And um, weeks later, the person in question came up to them and put their arm around them and said, hi, Chris, how you doing? And they about dropped their jaw because they thought the person hated them. You just be you, the best you. And if you do that all the time and are kind and thoughtful with other people, even when they're demonstrating the most, talk to the hero. I talk to the hero that's inside. And, and that's who I'm talking to. I'm not talking to the distractions of what I'm seeing going on. Some people have a face that starts a war. I mean, you just look at the face and, and they think in their head, oh, I'm, I'm nice. I'm being really nice. But their face is saying another story. It's like, an, it's like a muscle exercise. If people are telling you you need to smile more, guess what that means? That means you need to look in the mirror and you need to see what your resting face is, not the B face, the resting face. And you decide, okay, this is what I was born with. What can I work with here? Okay, I can, here's, this is my new resting face. You know, it doesn't have to be a toothy smile. It could be just, yeah. a, you know, a nice smile. It's your eyes that give it away. When your eyes are dull or angry or whatever, then then people will react that way. They are that's the hardwiring. The this the other wiring, the the things that you have to override is is not it, you've given a talk, you look in the audience, somebody's got that sour look on their face. It's so easy to be pulled to that person, and what I do, I force myself, I find the nicest face in the audience and I focus there. I'm always coming back to there because that's how I want to be received. So before we talk about the book, I actually had another follow-up question to regarding expectations because I think that's very important in order to build mental toughness. As an individual, I have zero expectations from everybody and from anyone, anyone because this way I don't get disappointed. And I start, I have the system that I say, start with zero, you earn brown, brownie points or you go negative. But I don't start you at 10, for instance, and then get disappointed. So how can we mentally do that? Like for me, it's like a second nature thing now after a while, but how can we, can people do that so they don't get fake expectations and imaginary situations in their own head and they get disappointed because they set proper, like higher expectations than what the reality was to, you know, took place. How can, how can we save ourselves from disappointment? That only you can, (laughs) (laughs) only you can, that's for sure. I think it, it, think it gets back to, we need to get rid of our judgmental language. We need to get rid of our judgmental thinking, you know, unless it's good. If it's good, keep it. (laughs) If it's negative, toss it because it's not helpful. It could be accurate, like we talked before, not helpful. Um, I actually, I look at people, strangers are just friends I haven't met yet. Strangers are just friends I haven't met yet. I don't have a zero expectation. I have the expectation they're my friend and I wanna help them. And they might be struggling right now or they may not be responding in the way that I hoped, but they're my friend 
I'm not going to bail on them because they're upset. Um, my husband and I have a secret code when we're even talking, and you and that's how you, by getting to know people, you can you can learn more and react better. Um, if especially if it's negative that you want to think it's a negative kind of thing, he will ask me. He'll say, um, "Would you like me to do whatever it is? Pick this up." If I say no right away, he says, okay. But if I say, um, I don't say anything, <laughs> I just think about it. If I haven't said anything in a minute, then he is going to do it because he knows that I would have said no if it was true that I didn't need it, but I can't say yes. I have a hard time saying yes when someone wants to offer me help. I don't know about you, but I, I am. And, and the worst question to ask a person like me is, need any help? <laughs> because you're going to say no. That's what people do. They say no. And so I look at that and I think, okay, so how you can do it with you, you have to work, you have to find what works for you. If that works for you to do the kind of things that you're doing, perfect. That's what you work for. I'll say, I showed you what I use because I've been in all these other situations where I want to connect quickly and deeply. You actually connected quickly and deeply with those officers just by how you how you started off. When you start off in a negative way and assume the worst, you have just shaken the foundation of that relationship and you've probably broken the trust because they want to think the best, but you're looking at them like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they're looking at, instead of going, hi guys, how are you? You know, how can I help you? Would, hello officer, thank you very, you know, you're respectful. We should be respectful for everybody, not just police officers, which we should be anyway, because here's the thing with police officers and fire and all that. I've been to countries where we don't have, they don't have that. When you have no rule of law, you have no freedom. You have zero freedom. We may have a challenge with our freedoms here, but you do not have rule of law. It's lawlessness that takes over. It's the worst in people. It's the people who are the fittest and the angriest and the ones who carry the guns. That's what takes over. So I'm when you have rule of law. I would know. Yeah. Rule of law. We have to figure out a way to support the police in ways that will make them much better. And they're not getting much help right now. People are saying, oh, we need to get rid of them. <laughs> You have never almost risked your life in a place where people are lawless, that people can do what they want. So um, the last thing that I'll say about this before we jump to the book question is, I I heard this in a song. It said, if you think police has enough money, order a pizza and police and see who arrives first. So that's all I'm going to say regarding that and regarding the financials that it comes to the police department, you guys, and first responders. Um, yeah, order, you know, call 911 and order the pizza and see who comes in first in your household. Oh, okay. Well, wait a minute. We need to say, no, don't do that. <laughs> no, don't tax. Gosh, we had. It's the perception our, of it. You know, Oh, I do understand that. But we have, I just, we had just had dispatchers who were, who have to take those calls. And it was, uh, it was phenomenal. They get like 500 calls an hour, an hour, mm -hmm. you know, and and um, and being with someone who'd recently had a heart attack and all those other things, you don't want to clog it up. But I would tell you that they would respond um, if they can. Yep. Yep. 
Well, let's move into the book. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book. You did show it to us a little bit earlier uh, too. Pono, not Pono. It's what? called Pono. 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 P-O-N-O. Pono. And, Pono. Yes. Tell and us so about the book because I think I you showed it to me a little bit before and I love the idea. So let the audience know more. Okay. This book is coming out. We just got the agreement with the printer. It has been in limited distribution with rave reviews of people who are using it. We had a um, six-year-old or five-year-old girl who who learned, you know, what's the story about Pono? It's basically about a, a, a bull where people are mean to him and his girlfriend helps him, little girlfriend uh, Kuliana, which is another Hawaiian word, helps bring back the best in him. Okay, a little five-year-old could explain it. And then a sixth grader asked his teacher for a copy of the book. I had donors who, who brought it to a school and then I trained up all the teachers on how to use the book in many ways. And the, and the young man came to the teacher and said, teacher, can I please look at the book uh, right now? And he opened it up actually to the inside page that is about where Pono is very upset. And, and he said, I feel I'm losing my grip, my mental stability and I want to respond, not react. A sixth grader. It's like, yes, <laughs> respond, not, not react. react. Yes, yes. And knowing when you're losing it, when you're in that frustrating situation where you're losing it. And so that's the book. It's called Why is Pono Not Pono Today? It's illustrated by uh, a wonderful artist from Greece, Georgis Magakis. Why is Pono Not Pono Today? And you can go to our website, mentallytoughwomen.com, and find it under our stress tools. But I will tell you that this book it identifies the essence of really what you just described in your little situation. Little situation that could have gotten big. I mean, it could have gotten explosive. And here, we know that life is tough. We know that it's not fair and frustrating. And my sincere goal in my business was to help women realize that's reality. We're not changing that. What we can do is that in every breath, every word, every action that we take, we can make things better. We can truly have a positive impact. And this story, how to quickly come out of that negative place and not judge them just because they went negative, I, I have a the big lie. You might want to go on that one. That's a podcast. Um, and mine was, I owe you an apology. People are, if someone wants to freely give one, great. But if I'm expecting you, oh, you need to apologize to me. Are you doing your best? Are you working hard? Are you trying to make things better with every breath you have? Yes. Why would I need an apology? It, you could, could you help it? Did you intentionally have your screen, for example, do that? Did I intentionally have my computer go blank? No. Let's take it from there then and move forward. So the book is, and it has instructive and questions in the back. There's a course to go along with it, an online course to go along with it so that you can make the most of the book. And on the surface, it's just a sweet story that children get. Yeah. And, then, and then on the highest level, which I hope we'll get to, it influences not just the kids, but the families. And, and the kids will be the reminder, because I believe the, the future belongs to our children. Our children are the ones we must equip with the best mental toughness skills 
so that they are not reacting, that they are they are caring, loving, and responding. Absolutely. I mean, it's the next generation, the next future leaders, right? So we absolutely have to take care of them. And for you, my dear listeners, I'll put the links on the show notes. For my lazy listeners, it's a tap away. So just click there. It will be on the show notes where you can access the book as well as the online courses that Deb has. Uh, Deb, what's a new and exciting project that you're working on that you'd like to share with us? I mean, knowing you so far for a couple of months, I'm sure you're not just sitting there not doing nothing new. Uh, anything oh, yeah. exciting you'd like to share? On the, on the very short term, I have this course I'm doing, which I showed you the slides of, to be able to talk to CEOs around the world is really also setting the climate for greater productivity, not just better respect for people. We say we want to respect each other. That's a given in mental toughness. People who are mentally tough are not bullies. And, and so I'm doing that and I'm very excited to, to share content just like with your podcast, you you honor me by allowing me to be engaged with your listeners. And then the rest is putting more and more up on my website of content that viewers can access and, and try to get with influencers. I really want to get with influencers because if I can help you, you're an influencer. If I can help you understand what are some things that are causing the challenges we have and how you can influence it in a better direction. That's my big project, because if we help millions of people, we got life's tough enough. We, we want people to armor up. You have to armor up first, like the extreme sport. Do yes. not go out there and say, I want to change the world and I want to do something. And then someone yells at you and you want to quit. That's it starts not, from within. It yes, it has to. You have to you have to look at I look at every time someone knocks me down. Whoa, that hurt. How, how can I avoid that in the future? How can I help someone else avoid that in the future? What is it I need to learn in order to influence that person? Because I'll guarantee that person cares. They care a lot, the one who punched you, but they have been jaded. They have been what I call cynic. Those cynics are the greatest group of influencers we can affect because usually you will, well, almost always I have found they were idealists. There were people who had a cause and somebody slammed them in their life. And now they're gonna protect everybody else and that's why they're so cynical and they go off the deep end. But they're actually what I call misguided leaders. They're leading, but they're just not leading it. They're leading us down the path of destruction instead of leading us. And the more media that can tell stories that there is another way, there's a better way. There's one that'll get you more than you want. That's how to do it. And so let's band together and connect each other. And if you have influencers that you think could help and benefit, and for the rest, like I would say with the, with the police officers, the people dealing with stress, my two free courses are doing a great thing with how to handle extreme stress. That's the real litmus test, that test, like the canary that tells you if you're going in that negative direction and helping you regain your personal control over that where you can or knowing how to get back to it quickly. It's kind of like getting knocked out of the game and you jump right back into the game. <laughs> and then the other one, the stress basics, is if you know the stress basics, you're gonna have all this equipment on you anyway. So you're gonna be already prepared for really the worst situations so you can enjoy the best. Not that you expect the worst, you prepare for the worst. It's very different if you think about those words, expecting the worst or preparing for the worst. One is it's gonna to happen to you, I'm always looking for that. Or preparing is no matter what people hit me with, I'm going to be able to succeed. And then 
I enjoy like every moment of this interview, as challenging as it has been. I love being with you, Romina, and I love being with your audience. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And then my very last question, which I'm always intrigued, and I know I have to be a little bit biased because it's my favorite question ever. What is your personal definition of success? When you can bring out your best and help everyone bring out their best. That's my definition of success. Whatever that is defined as best to you or them, you know your happy place. You know you when you're at your best. Love it. Thank you so much, Steph, for being a part of Coffee with Romina podcast. Thank you for being here. And you guys, make sure on the show notes, again, I'm going to put all the links where you can connect with Deb. Deb, thank you so much, dear. Aloha. <laughs> and, for you, my, and for you, my dear <laughs> listeners, make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you are listening to this podcast, wherever you get your podcast just from. And if it is Apple Podcasts, make sure to give us a five-star review and a short comment. Tell us how you enjoyed this episode. From Romina, bye. This podcast is a 6-7 Radius production. To learn more about 6-7 Radius, our services, and how we can help you strategize your marketing and increase your sales, click the service tab on connectwithromina.com.